jar rising in the east, a jar of oil, a small couple, at least a couple of small coins, a mustard seed, little and small feature a lot. You know, and the small and little invariably have a large impact. So this morning, what can we learn from this? Well, number one, don't despise the small. Don't despise the small or the little, because God does not. Now, it would be true to say that we love the big. We love the huge, the gigantic, the immense, the massive, the, the vast. But God doesn't seem to be the case with him. Whereas the big seems to impress us, on the other hand, he seems to operate on a different scale. In fact, Zechariah, verse, chapter 4, verse 10 says, Who dares despise the day of small things? Now, that shouldn't surprise us. The prophet Isaiah in chapter 55, verse 8 and 9 says, This is the Lord speaking, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. The apostle Paul, when writing to the church at Corinth, encouraged them to take a look around. He said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26, Brothers and sisters, think of what you were. When you were called, not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. He was saying basically, not many of you were celebrities, had any real form of renown. Not many of you especially gifted or rich or mighty. They were just ordinary, run-of-the-mill, everyday folk. If you read on, you will see that Paul was pointing out to the church that often God will use the nobodies of this world. What does it say to you and to me? Well, it says there's hope for me. <laughs> he can use even me. Now, I find this doubly encouraging because my name is Paul. For those of you who I have not met before, it's lovely to meet you. Paul. The name Paul means little. Right. That's really cool. Because if I'm little by name, and I know I'm little by nature, then I'm a candidate for being used by God. Because right. he likes to take the little yeah. and use it which is really fantastic. You know, there are many stories of nobodies and ordinary, everyday people being used by the Lord. Who would have thought that a man by the name of John Bunyan, born in England in 1628, who was considered by many to be an illiterate tinker, in other words, what he did is he fixed pots and pans, was put in prison because of his faith for Jesus, would write a book entitled The Pilgrim's Progress. Many have said only the Bible has reached more people than Pilgrim's Progress for Jesus. And who would have thought that in South Carolina, a boy up to age 16, having done nothing to distinguish himself between himself and his peers around him, who would give his life to Jesus Christ, that the Lord would then use him to become one of the world's foremost evangelists. And I'm speaking of Billy Graham, who has spoken to more than 200 million people and 4 million people giving their life to Christ in and through his ministry. Who would have thought? Ordinary people. Why? Why does God often delight in taking what the world considers small and little and insignificant and then doing something significant with it? Well, I think we find a little bit of a clue in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. He's referring to the Lord and he says this. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 through 27, Paul said this, But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. He chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things, the things the world that considers to be despised, the things that are not 
to nullify the things that are so that no one can boast before him. So why does he use the little and the small? He uses them, number two, so he gets the glory. So he gets the glory. It is so he'll get the honor and the glory. And of course, it ensures that we trust and rely on him. You know, I find this very comforting. When you stop and look around us and think what's going on in the world, we might think, well, actually, I don't have much to offer this world that is in such great need. What difference can I as an individual make? That's partly the reason some people don't vote. They don't vote. They think, well, what difference could my vote make? Well, throughout history, one vote has in actual fact changed history. In 1776, one vote gave America the English language as opposed to German. In 1800, Thomas Jefferson was elected president by one vote in the House of Representatives because there was a tie in the Electoral College. In 1868, one vote saved President Andrew Johnson from impeachment. And in 1875, one vote changed France from being a monarchy to a republic. And according to Karl Hendrickson, in 1923, one vote gave Adolf Hitler the leadership of the Nazi party. One vote. We can make a difference. Having said that, look at the international scene, the tension that's escalating around us, and we might be feeling somewhat helpless. Think about what's happening in Ukraine at the moment and what's happening in Israel and Gaza and the potential of that spilling out further. Our own political landscape, crime rate, rising crisis in in terms of uh, costs and social justice and mental health issues that we're facing as a nation. It may all want us just to go back home, go to our bed and pull the covers over our head. You may be feeling, what little can I do to help in a world that has got so much trouble? But that's when we've got to stop and take stock. Yes, it is true. There's little in the natural we've got to offer the world, given the state it's in. We might be feeling that we're nobody and nothing to offer, but the reality is we have one very significant thing. Jesus. Whoa, of course, Jesus. And he delights in taking the nobodies and the nothings and working with them to do something. Remember, he took nothing and working with nothing and out of nothing created everything. And he's not changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Charles Spurgeon said, even a little dog can bark at the thief, wake up the master, and save the house. You know, we all have something to offer. Because the Bible tells us we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. You know, he took an 80-year-old shepherd who was a fugitive from the law and turned him into the mighty deliverer we know as Moses. And he took a young, timid boy who was, uh, you know, um, just, just nothing really, and made him the prophet Jeremiah we read about in the Old Testament. He took a young man called Gideon who was racked with self-esteem issues and inferiority and turned him into the great deliverer we know of as Gideon. We shouldn't despise the small or the little because God does not. It's been said, anyone can look at an apple and count the seeds, but only God can look at the seed and count the apples. We don't know the impact of the little that we have if we're willing it to offer it to him and what he'll do with it. Right. He delights in using our little, multiplying it for his purposes, and he gets the glory. Think about the boy who shared his lunch in John 6 that we read about. Ever wondered what happened to the 12 baskets that were left over? Maybe they came back to the boy's house because you cannot outgive God. Right. You can see it. Mommy, I'm home. <laughs> And then burst these 12 bustling fishermen with baskets with bread spilling everywhere, trying to find a bench to put them on. You just see it. Now imagine if the little boy said, no, 
You can't have my lunch. Mummy made it for me. I chose what's in it. Sardine sandwiches. You can't have it. Imagine if he'd said that. Imagine if he'd said, can't we do something a little bit more spiritual? Why don't we just pray about it? Or what about doing something that's not going to cost me personally? Is someone else got a lunch? Not mine. If, he'd had that, if that would have been the case, there would have been no blessing, no increase, no miracle, no story to tell, no faith built, nothing. If he had withheld, but he didn't. Okay, a little can bring about, number three, great blessing. In relying on him, doing what he says, and believing for God's best with the little we have, we can see the hand of God bring about great blessing yeah. to others. To others. Five loaves can feed 5,000. We have little to offer, but he loves the little. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. Now, you'll agree that that's not a lot of people. That's a very small group, two or three. But think about the power of that statement. Consequences of a small group of people gathering in his name, unified in purpose, all the power necessary to create the entire universe is present with them. That's a Selah moment. Whoa. That's incredible. All the power necessary to create the entire universe is present with them. That seems a contradiction, doesn't it? Small and power. As I said earlier, we're conditioned to believe big and power. The bigger the thing is, the more powerful. No. That's not the case with God. He whittled Gideon's army of 32,000 down to 300, and then together with him, took out the enemy and delivered Israel. David was half the size of Goliath. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, a small town, not a large city. Five loaves fed 5,000. There's power in the small. Small does not mean impotent, does not mean pathetic, and does not mean powerless. We might think that we don't have much to offer. We're a little bit older. It's a young person's world. No one wants to hear from me. Maybe we've been knocked around a little bit by life and we feel, well, I've got nothing to offer now. Maybe we have little resource, nothing practically or physically to share with others. So we think, oh, well, it doesn't really matter. We all have something. Don't despise the day of small things. Walt Disney is quoted as saying, I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing that was all started by a mouse. So number one, don't despise the small. Number two, God uses the little so he gets the glory. Number three, our little can bring about great blessing to others. And number four, we are to be like a child. The Lord delights in the small. Matthew 18.3 Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like a little child, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. We're to become like a child. That's childlike, not childish. There's a big difference. Yeah, God wants us to have childlike submissiveness and meekness, a gleeful childlike heart and childlike faith. Adults have a tendency to become cynical as they get older. You know, children, on the other hand, have not been ruined by the concerns of the world. Think about it. You take a child to the park, you get them out of their car seat, they hop down on the ground, you take them by the hand, and you start heading over to the play equipment, which is all bright, shiny, and new, that your tax dollars paid for, and your child stops, bends down, and is enamored by a daisy. <laughs> and you go, come on. And this child, daisy, I don't know, daisy. Man, childlike innocence is incredible. 
You know, a child has what qualities that well, they're innocent and trusting. I read of a dad who who was at home and um, his son was on the kitchen bench. Mum must have been out and called out, Dad, catch. And he wasn't even looking. He swung around in time to catch his son. Innocent and trusting, the child was, Dad will catch me. Right. Didn't even think about, now he's over there, how fast can he run? Would he get there? No, just innocent and trusting. Dad will do it. I believe he will. Innocent and trusting. A child believes without analyzing things. My brothers and I, I come from a family of three boys, I'm the middle one, you probably can tell that. He, um, we, we managed to convince our three-year-old second cousin who was eating a hard-boiled egg that if she wasn't careful, she would fall into it. But, I know, it took a while, but she finally was convinced that she would. She, the great thing was she asked her mum, is it possible that I could... Oh, yes, if you're not careful. Oh. Um, that three-year-old cousin is still seeing a therapist. <laughs> But yeah, they believe, they analyze, they're without analyzing. A child receives with joy and light-hearted abandonment. A child is content with little things. Ever given a child a gift, and you spent ages deciding and wrapping it, and they're all more enamored with the gift wrap and, and intrigued with the wrapping paper, and you're going, why did I bother? It's incredible. A child has faith to move mountains. I remember years and years and years ago when our middle child, uh, Sarah, daughter, our daughter Sarah, she, um, I, I said I had a headache, and she was only so high, you know. I said I had a headache, and she said, I'll pray for you. And she reached out a little hand and put her hand on my head as I bent down, and she asked Jesus to heal me. The cool thing was, two things. Number one, she'd seen it in church, and we'd done it for, done it for her. And I was instantly healed of that headache. Why? Because God honors childlike faith. We've got to become like children, and not get sophisticated to start thinking about all sorts of rational things. A child has wide-eyed wonder, wanders through life, whoa, whoa, that's, whoa, that's what they like. A child takes to heart God's word in all its simplicity. It doesn't complicate it. Think of God and us as one would a child with his or her parents, children, full of innocence, come to their loving Heavenly Father, or at least their loving father or mother, this is the natural thing, trusting them to completely take care of them, to protect them, to provide for them, to correct them when they're wrong, and to love and cherish them. And Jesus is telling them, us that we need to have that same kind of trust in, in him. Place little we have in his hand like a little child would. We should be able to come to him fully trusting, without doubt, that he loves us and cares for us. Jesus said in Matthew 19, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. God reminds us in his word that we are indeed his children. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God, and that is what we are. Like a child, we should come before our Father, fully trusting in his word, fully engaged in his spirit, fully open to his love and commands. We can have confidence that though we might feel insignificant with him, we are really significant yeah. with him. Romans 8.31. What then? Shall we say in response to all of this, if God is for us, who can be against us? And if that's the case, he'll take the little we offer him, like the little lunch, and he will use it to feed 5,000. All we need to do is be like a child, give it to him, and trust I read of a five-year-old boy who loved the piano. And every opportunity he had, he would sit down and fiddle at the keyboard. 
He'd never had any lessons, no formal training. The boy was often told he was too small and too young to play the piano. Despite these discouraging words, he continued to practice. The only song, however, he knew how to play was Chopsticks. Just a very simple tune, but he played it again and again. Now, One day his father surprised him with tickets for a symphony. And uh, a world-renowned Italian pianist was playing. The master musician was one of the great musicians of the time. And on the night of the concert, as they were walking to their seats in the auditorium, the little boy saw the grand piano on the stage behind the curtain. And when no one noticing, he actually snuck onto the stage and sat down on the piano stool and then began to play his elementary version of Chopsticks. And about the same time, the curtain rose. And everyone expected to see the master musician playing. But instead, they saw this little boy hunched over the piano playing chopsticks. He was so caught up in doing what he was doing, he didn't realize that everyone was watching. When he did notice, he was petrified, and he was about to get up and run off, and the boy felt two very big arms reaching around him. Then two large hands landed on the keys beside his, and it was the master musician. And he whispered in the boy's ear, keep playing. The little boy continued to play his simple rendition of chopsticks. The pianist joined in with a Beethoven symphony piece, scored in the same key, with the same rhythm and tempo of the chopsticks tune the five-year-old was playing. And under the direction of the master, he brought in the rest of the orchestra. First, he brought in the woodwind instruments, then the brass, and then the percussion. The little boy's father sat there with tears in his eyes. He couldn't believe what he was hearing. He never dreamed that the simple tune that he had heard playing in his living room so often would no longer sound like chopsticks, but would become a full, beautifully orchestrated Beethoven symphony. What was the difference? The master stepped in. Sometimes we might feel we don't have what it takes. We don't have the knowledge, the intelligence, the know-how, the gift, the ability, the wisdom, whatever it is. The good news is that God does. And when we offer it to him... The master steps in. He puts his hand on top of our hands. He'll take our small and make it big. Little placed in his hands becomes a lot when the master steps in. He will put his super into our natural and add the extra to our ordinary. And amazing things will begin to happen. That's what happens when the master steps in. The truth is, we may be disappointed with the way life has turned out. Failed a few times, been thrown a few curveballs, never hit a home run, disappointed about the things, consequently, we're drawn into our shell. We may have little to offer and therefore feel we aren't valuable. We may have suffered such that we've lost our childlikeness. It's never too late. We just have to allow the master to step in. He can turn it around. Psalm 23 tells us he's a shepherd who restores our soul. That's the area of our mind, our will, and our emotions. Joel 2 tells us that he loves to restore and promises that he loves to restore all that which has been eaten away through life. And in Psalm 51, it says he restores joy, the joy he once had, particularly the joy of our salvation. He can restore. It's never too late to ask the master to step in. We can come before our wonderful Lord and master. Let the little children come to me with arms and hearts open wide, loving and trusting as a child. We can come to him and give him our past, broken as it may be. Give him the small that we have, knowing that he can do something beautiful out of it as we offer it to him that he might get the glory. 
So just all we've got to do at least is to give the little we have to him, keep playing our little tune, and allow the master to step in. I wonder if I could have every head bowed and every eye closed as I pray this morning. Might have the team if they'd like to join me, that'd be fantastic. I don't want this moment to pass without giving an opportunity to consider where you're all at. So if I could have every head bowed and eyes closed, that would be wonderful. Maybe this morning you're thinking about your own life. You've never surrendered your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You've never opened your heart to him. You've never said, God, come into my life. You've never surrendered your life to him. Know this, that the Bible tells us that God loves us so much that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life, everlasting life. We've all sinned. We've all done things that have fallen short of God's glory. Therefore, we are all in need of a Savior. We've all done things that displease Him. The Bible tells us that the wages of our sin, the penalty that our sin pays is death, spiritual death, separated from God forever. You know, if we deny that we are a sinner, we actually deny God the joy of forgiving us from our sin. If we continue in it, We continue to rob ourselves of the joy of knowing what it is to be free from that. Because shame and guilt and condemnation, they rob us. And if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we know the joy of the freedom of that. The Bible says we all need to repent and be saved. That means to stop doing the things we did that displeased God. The things that we're doing that separate us from him and turn around and walk towards him move towards him if you've never given your life to the lord or maybe you've given your life to the lord in the past and you've stepped away from that relationship you're not walking as intimately as you were who used to with him you're not reading the word of god you're not spending time in prayer you're not your mind is far from the things of god you're here this morning but it's here by divine appointment so maybe this morning you've never given your life to the lord or maybe you have in the past but you know that you're not walking with him as closely as you should I want to pray for you this morning. I, don't want to, I believe you're here by divine appointment. I don't want you to leave today without having had an opportunity of saying yes to Jesus for the first time or yes, Lord, I'm sorry, I want to come back home. So just while everyone's head is bowed and eyes closed, if that's you this morning, you'd like to be included in a prayer, I want to pray. Just raise your hand so I'll see it and I'll just ask you to put it down once I've seen it. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. Anyone else? Anybody else want to be included in this prayer? Just want to pray so, so I can see your hand. Just raise it just so I can see. Just a few seconds longer. Okay. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you came from heaven to earth and gave yourself for us. We admit that we have sinned, Lord, done things that have not pleased you. We're sorry for doing those things. We repent of them in Jesus' name. We thank you, Jesus, for your saving grace. Thank you you came and died on the cross for us that we might know what it is to be set free from our sin, our shame, our guilt and condemnation. Thank you, Lord, for forgiveness, for setting us free. Receive that now, Lord. We receive you as our Lord and leader, as our Savior and as our forgiver. We commit the rest of our lives to you, Lord. We want to live for you, to please you in the way that we live. Lord, we've stepped back from where we should have been, but Lord, we thank you that just like the prodigal, you welcome us back. There's a ring for our finger. There's sandals for our feet. There's a robe of righteousness to wear. There's a, there's a, a, a calf to be slaughtered, as it were, and a celebration to take place because of the fact that we have come back to you. 
And so, Father, I pray for those this morning that are in that position, that, Lord, you would indeed just draw them closer to yourself and that this week would be a week where they would walk with a, a spring in their step, knowing that, Lord, you love them dearly and they're back in fellowship with you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you love to take the little, the broken, the messed up parts of our life and do something beautiful with them to bring you glory. We want to make a difference in this world that you love so much, that you've called us to be living in in these days. We offer ourselves to you again and we say, Lord, use us. Let the master step in and add the symphony of all you are to our little tune that the world might be a richer place. So come, Holy Spirit, anoint us, enable us, empower us, and equip us to be all you've called us to be, to be a blessing to others, to be a beautiful symphony. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I trust it's been a blessing to you. I want, would you stand with me, please, as we continue to worship the Lord and give him praise and glory. Thank you.